0: Um, but we can think about how, where our attitudes and thoughts and feelings, where they're coming up from. Um, yes, it could be common culture, but it, a lot of it also stems from the way we were raised around food, either directly by our caregivers or the culture we grew up in. So we can start to think about um, when we were younger, we're, how were we taught to eat? Were our parents, or our caregivers, did they teach us to trust ourselves were they trusting that we knew how much and how little to eat or were they critical or second guessing or imposing us to clean our plate yeah Yeah, you're you know you're you're do you really need that much you should slow down or the opposite you need to eat everything and I don't care if you don't like it like Mm -hmm. like so um kind of understanding looking back on how you were treated where your ideas come from maybe you're on tons of diet and you lost your diets and you lost your self-trust that way you know and
1: hey there i'm ani michalski wellness coach therapist and mom to half a dozen amazing kiddos this podcast is for moms who desperately need a break but refuse to take one you know who you are you have a jam-packed schedule and you're so busy doing everything for everyone else you don't leave any time for you what's up with that? Well, no more. Take off your superwoman cape and learn how to put yourself on your to-do list. This is the Moms Without Capes podcast. Today we have with us on the Moms Without Capes podcast, Amelia Sherry. Welcome to the show, Amelia. Thank you, Annie. I'm so excited to be here. So Amelia is a registered and certified pediatric dietitian and nutritionist specializing in helping women raise daughters free from worry about food, weight, and dieting. After spending decades struggling with her own disordered eating while pursuing a career in women's magazines writing about fitness and health, She started a second career as a clinical nutrition professional. At the same time, she became a mother and dove deep into understanding what it takes to raise a child who has a happy, healthy relationship with food. Nowadays, Amelia works with other families, helping them find peace, freedom, and confidence at mealtimes. So I'm so glad to have you. I'm I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. So I... I just shared your bio, but why don't we dive a little deeper and share how you got to be where you are today, a little bit more about your journey.
0: Sure. I will keep it short and sweet. Um, I um, was uh, a disordered eater for many, many years as a young, um, you know, adolescent all through high school and college. I eventually worked in women's magazines, writing about health and fitness. Some when I had um, a turning point and decided to go to school to become a nutritionist, uh, that was more a turning point in my career where I just thought I wanted to work more one-on-one because I was still struggling. Um, and um, eventually I made peace with my relationship with food. Um, I discovered intuitive eating, I wasn't dieting. Um, and then I became a mom And it was a lot of anxiety about feeding my um, child. And particularly I was worried about having a girl and I I did have a girl. Um, And I don't think I was very conscious of it at the time, but it was definitely wrapped up in this concern of like, how am I going to um, help her with her own body and her own um, feelings about her weight um, and eating? I'd been so focused on eating my whole life. Um, And it um, really pushed me to dive deeper into those topics, both professionally, I think that's why I was drawn to pediatrics um, and personally, because a lot of what I was learning as a nutrition professional was very um, diet oriented and weight focused. It was much less overt about looking pretty and thin, but it was a lot about thinner is healthier. And I had a lot of conflict professionally putting that pressure on my patients, particularly children um, and the moms who were um, just not sure which way to go. You know, I I want them to eat healthy and I'm using air quotes, but a lot of moms had their own history with feeling pressure around food and and weren't sure, you know, what the right things to do and and say are. And that's how I am now coming to work with um, Nourisher, which I founded, which is an online resource for moms who have struggled with chronic dieting and disordered eating, who now want to raise um, girls who have positive, healthy relationships with food. Hopefully that wasn't the long version. (laughs) Yeah, No,
1: no, that's very interesting. So let's, in case listeners are confused about what disordered eating is and how that differs from an eating disorder, can you explain to us like what, what is disordered eating and how is it different?
0: Mm-hmm. So, an eating disorder can be clinically diagnosed. Um, and it's um, dis- most of us know what the common or most popular eating disorders are anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder. There are new ones cropping up all the time. Um, disordered eating is what I. Consider like a subclinical eating disorder. It is when we're eating out of tune with the real way eating is meant to be. So, for example, eating is meant to be an enjoyable experience. It's meant to be internally directed, meaning we know how much or how little to eat based on our somatic or our body experience. Um, and it's meant to be flexible. You know, humans can eat a wide variety of foods and still be very well nourished. Um, So when we eat in very rigid ways, um, very um, cognitive ways, like figuring out to eat based on information outside our bodies, um, that's skipping meals, you know, calorie um,
1: counting, right? uh, Yeah, exactly.
0: All of the, and I'm using your quits again, diet, yeah. yeah, yeah, like, um, all this information that's coming from the outside world, directing our eating, being fearful about eating, being constantly stressed about eating—that's very um, disordered. That is not how positive and um, healthy eating is meant to go. You know that that's right. um, that's just not how it goes. And yet, we're taught over and over to, to approach it that way.
1: So I can see the effect. I was sharing with you before I hit record um, my own journey with like disordered eating and how uh, I've been in weight loss groups. I'm also like, I'm in a weight loss group now. And when I was in before I um, had a lot of success, but I was very strict. It was that rigid thinking that mm-hmm. you you just talked about, you know, the calorie counting, making sure I was writing down every little bite that went in, I my thing was like, if I bite it, I write it. And like making sure that I stayed within those rules. And I think that um well not that i think i know that my own behaviors have completely influenced my kids and i i hate it again it. it like feeds on that anxiety that i feel as a mom and am i doing right like right by my kids and teaching them and these are things like media culture like they all we hear it all the time we see it on social like just thin is better and escaping that mentality is, I know that's what has to happen, but it is so hard. So what did you find? Like, how were you able to move away from the disordered eating to a place that's healthy so that your kids can grow up, like having that healthier relationship with food? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Very first thing I just want to say is, um, it, it's positive that you've I guess, acknowledge that your eating may have, or or dieting may have impacted Mm -hmm. your children, but I also want to um, just bring up the the idea, too, that absolutely the way the eaters that our children are is not wholly defined by the way we parent them around (laughs) food, and that you are doing the very best you could to take care of your own body and your own needs at that time, so don't ever... Um, I know it's easy to say, don't feel bad or beat yourself up, but I don't want moms to feel like everything, all the decisions we make about our own eating, you know, have um, such a big impact. Damage, damage
1: our kids.
0: Yeah, because I we, that is like where we all go as moms, right? Oh my mm. gosh, I said this, I did that, I ate <laughs> this, I told them. them that. Yeah, and mm. and they're a lot more resilient than we think they are, and, and that applies to eating and their attitudes about eating and food as well. They're also really savvy. Some teenage and girls I have spoken to, I actually have a 9 year old stepdaughter as well. She says things to me sometimes, which I am not responsible for that. I am very impressed with, you know, the way she turns away from body image issues and pressure on her eating. So I just want to put that out there for any mom who might be worried about what they've been saying or doing. Um, and your question, I, I'm blanking on it now. How did I?
1: Yes. How What was significant? Like, how were you able to turn away from, you know, having that unhealthy relationship Mm -hmm. to now having a healthier relationship? Hey, mom, short on time, but feeling like you're at the end of your rope or that your bucket is nearing empty. Grab this list of 15 self-care practices that you can do in under 15 minutes. These ideas will get you quickly back on track and are great for moms who are limited on time. I think that's most of us. So check out the show notes or go to momswithoutcapes.com backslash self care ideas to download your list today. As how, what was significant? Like, how were you able to turn away from, you know, having that unhealthy relationship mm-hmm. to now having a healthier relationship?
0: Mm-hmm, um, I did, a, for myself personally, it was a lot of soul searching, a lot of reading. Um, I, I did a lot of women's studies in college and it started to come back up to me when I was very um, unhappy in like my late 20s. And I started really digging, you know, what what about me makes me so uncomfortable? And then, you know, I went down the rabbit hole of why am I focusing on my body? And that helped pulled me up. That's not gonna help everyone because, you know, that doesn't interest everyone. Um, But what was really convincing for me, I think professionally was the, the, um, the very powerful research that shows that when we put pressure on ourselves to eat in certain ways, this dieting is a type of disordered eating, because as you said, it is very rigid and out of rhythm with the real way we're Mm -hmm. meant to eat. Um, So when we Put that on ourselves. Disordered eating is a precursor in research to eating disorders. And if you've ever known anyone with a full-blown eating disorder, they're tragic. They're um, they can unfortunately be deadly in some cases. They destroy lives when they're even when the the consequence isn't that extreme. They take over our thinking, um, our attention from all the other things we could be doing. They destroy our self esteem. They make us you know, fit, there are physical consequences as well, just to being completely, you know, irritated, not able to focus and all these, you know, consequences of being malnourished. Um, So that stuff is very compelling. And when I am confronted with the um, pushback, which is like, well, it's healthy to be thin, you know, I just go right there in my brain and, and just know that, you know, First of all, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Fitness is not actually a, a sign of um, health and well-being. Um, and second of all, at what con- at what great cost are we going to get there? Like, how much pressure and emotional and social damage are we going to do to ourselves right. at every meal just to maybe? be thinner and possibly improve our physical health. I don't even believe that in many cases. Right. I think the opposite happens, but just to make that argument because people will push back on that all the time. Um, Yeah, so just knowing the consequences of dieting, even a little dieting, <laughs> dieting light.
1: Right, anything um, that's like that restrictive.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I could talk more you know, specifically about how it shows up in kids, but yeah, there, there's mm-hmm. huge consequences to that. I experienced it firsthand and, and I- People, um, you know, inadvertently put that pressure on, on kids all the time as well. We don't want to do that.
1: Well, even, I mean, at our mealtimes, like making sure that the kids eat their vegetables and different things like that. I grew up, my mom saying that to me, and we are, you know, told that, that's, I mean, that's just facts. Like, vegetables do contain the minerals and the nutrients and, and all of the good stuff. And so there's this line that I don't want to cross where I want to make sure that my kids are getting the vitamins and the minerals and like all of that good stuff but then not forcing them to have that unhealthy relationship like Mm -hmm. making sure and it's it's a hard line like sometimes you know I have to hold back and even through my own like you said about just being aware and acknowledging that they're having like this is having an effect I have been more conscious about my own behaviors, you know, with self-image, like making sure that when I'm looking in the mirror, like, or, you know, that my kids aren't seeing me all upset, like, because I've got, you know, a muffin top or like, you know, like those kind of things like making, becoming aware of how I'm talking to myself, both internally and in front of my kids. Mm -hmm. And I've really done like within the past few years, like changing that. And like I said, like I'm in the weight loss group now, but what my goal is now is completely different than what it was then. Like, I don't even weigh myself right now. Like I'm just focusing on creating those habits that aren't restrictive. Like I'm not calorie counting. And that took some time to dis is is the word disequate, like to not look at food as how many calories it is, but rather how, you know, the senses, like how it looks and how it tastes and like enjoying it for what it is. And I have read the intuitive eating book, like that, the Bible of intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. And I have really like got into, you know, I'm like, this makes complete sense. And I know Mm -hmm. it's backed by a lot of registered dietitians. Like there's a lot of people that have done the research Mm -hmm. that back that up and this is the way that food should be enjoyed. And that mm-hmm. is that healthier relationship with food.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, intuitive eating is a beautiful concept. It goes back to being internally regulated. Um, I think when I, um, you, you first start saying about how hard it is to walk that line with yes. um, kids. And I think the way that I differ from just intuitive eating in general is that intuitive eating is a beautiful thing and it did help me so much when I was um, coming out of my disordered eating. When I became a parent, I needed more, more information. And Mm. what really changed it for me was um, Ellen Satter's work. Um, And she's a registered dietitian and a licensed family therapist. And she has this concept of the division of responsibility. And that really helps guide, I think, as a mom, with eating it got it helped me a lot to know that line not to how do we support healthy relationships with food um, and raise kids who have good nutritional intake and also feel good about food um, um, without crossing those lines right and, and I think it makes it, I use it with my, with my clients and my moms all the time. And it, it, um, basically the, it divides the parents' responsibility of food and feeding and the kids and the kids are really in charge of the eating part of the meal. Right, right. And the mom or dad or caregiver, whoever's there is in charge of the feeding part. Um, and that makes it really clear for me and for many of my clients, they, they agree as well that where we can intervene and impose like and where we need to step back and let our kids decide and right, like
1: decide uh, if they're full
0: yeah and exactly there's, there's and so what they're going to do yeah plate. exactly yes. exactly you got it the parents I, the parents decide what's going to be served what time the meal is going to mm. be served and where and the kids do all the eating part they decide that's those internally or bodily, how how hungry am I? How full am I? Do I want to eat at all? And um, it's not explicitly said in the division responsibility, but also appetite kids, which is how much you actually enjoy or feel satisfied by the food. So kids are going to like certain foods and not like certain foods, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And as parents, our job is to trust them, to figure it out, to give them opportunity, just like with all of the other things that we teach right, give right. them an opportunity to try new foods, but let them learn at their own pace, you know, so those, the vegetables, yes, put them out there, but, and do it consistently right, but right. in a positive way and let them come to it um, in their own way and grow with it and try we have, it, it's a lot of trust, I think diet culture rushes in there and says, well, we, we can't trust them and they're not going to like it. So we have to force them. And, you know, well,
1: the same thing with the rules, like trusting ourselves. That's one of the big things is we have to learn how to retrust ourselves because Mm -hmm. we have been, especially if you're wrapped up in the diet culture, you start relying on all these rules to tell you how how to eat when to eat what to eat and being able to reel that back in and learning how to trust yourself just like you're you know with the feeding your kids letting them trust themselves you need to do it to yourself or we need to do it to like learn how to trust ourselves as moms so tell me this how can we recognize you you mentioned a few things but how can we recognize disordered eating in ourselves? Are there signs?
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, Well, I think if you feel when it comes to deciding what to eat, if you feel stressed, conflicted, confused after you eat, if you feel shame, guilt, anxiety, those are huge huge first of all I think so many people can relate to that unfortunately
1: (laughs) I'm nodding my head yes yeah yeah yeah
0: um and that's why I'm in business as a nutritionist right (laughs) people need some support here but um it doesn't have to be that hard and if those are things you're experiencing that to me are are big red flags that there's something disordered going here I don't it's like I said it's so common given the pressure out there and culture to eat in certain ways and follow certain rules. Like it's no wonder we're, we are second guessing ourselves constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, that, yeah, those are signs of, um, of having some kind of disordered either attitudes and maybe possibly behaviors around, around food. Right. Yeah. So what can we do about it? Like if we recognize any of those
1: signs or if, you know, feeling that anxious or shame around food Mm -hmm. Where do you, where do you suggest we start.
0: That is a great question. Um, I, we had originally talked about possibly talking about reparenting Mm -hmm. calling this episode reparenting around around food so I think we can do some of that ourselves. Um, I think we can go back to that division of responsibility I was talking about which applies to our own eating as well. Um, but we can think about how, where our attitudes and thoughts and feelings, where they're coming up from. Um, Yes, it could be common culture, but a lot of it also stems from the way we were raised around food, either directly by our caregivers or the culture we grew up in. So we can start to think about um, when we were younger, how were we taught to eat? Were our parents or caregivers, did they teach us to trust ourselves were they trusting that we knew how much and how little to eat or were they critical or second guessing or imposing us to clean our will? plate yeah clean our yeah plate. you're you know you're, you're you're do you really need that much you should slow down or the opposite you need to eat everything and I don't care if you don't like it like mm-hmm. like so um kind of understanding looking back on how you were treated where your ideas come from maybe you're on tons of diet and you lost your diets and you lost your self-trust that way you know and and um working on that giving yourself permission to enjoy foods working either with a professional or getting a book like intuitive eating to help you with your internal regulation um and some of those how are your parents you can think to around those other responsibilities did they offer you food regularly and reliably, you know, Um, or were you more taught to fend for yourself and get your own things, you know, Um, and are you doing that for yourself now? Are you planning meals and thinking ahead of time or are you kind of leaving it up to chance? I know a lot of my clients eating have been on a long road with dieting and um, or just even confused because of everything that's out Mm -hmm. there. They get really stressed about eating to the point where they'll avoid kind of dealing with it or planning for it, I should say, mm. until they're just so hungry and they, they just have to eat right. whatever is available. And, you know, that's, um, that's not a great way to take care of ourselves, <laughs> right? So, so yeah, I think thinking about how you're approaching it, are you planning and how are you dealing with your actual that internal regulation that we keep talking Mm -hmm. about getting support either again working with someone or finding a book that can support you with it um, is a good way to if you notice that um, disordered feelings or habits coming up then to kind of work back and start to address them yeah there there um, are lots of resources out there now about having good instead of searching or Googling like what to eat, just how to eat is much better, like right. a positive relationship with food. Um, if you find resources that are based in that, I think you get a lot of support. Um, and a question I always use with um, with a lot of my clients is to think when they are presented with a new way of eating, always ask, is this leading with trust, with self-trust or distrust, <laughs> you know? Um, is it leading with, teaching us to fear foods and wary and eliminate, right. or is it teaching us to enjoy and relax, which is mm-hmm. um, a much better approach. Yeah.
1: Got you. Okay. So much of what I do um, in the moms with that capes community is we focus a lot on self-care and what you just shared with us today is all about, you know, learning how to trust and learning how to, to take better care of yourself. That's for sure. But what is your favorite way, aside from everything that we just talked about today, your
0: favorite way of practicing self-care and taking care of yourself? Yeah, I love this question because I need to be reminded all the time to do this. Sometimes (laughs) when you hear it, it just feels like another pressure. Like, oh, self-care. I have to care of myself. Yeah, one more thing to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But my, I think the thing that works best for me and is most accessible is to move my body. And often that just means going um, for a walk um, outside in nature. Um, A lot of times if I get very stressed or my mood, you know, I'm irritable or very focused on a project or a problem, the best way to change up my energy is to move my body and walk. And sometimes it feels hard to do to not because it's not pleasurable, but I always feel guilty, like taking that break to go get some air, but it,
1: yeah, As a new know that of, it, it renews work,
0: you. Yeah, it feels so good. It changes energy. It changes thought patterns in my mind. So yeah, that that's my simple, but um, tried and true, I think, self-care. Yeah. I wish awesome. it was a fancy, you know. No, that's massage great. You have to not. define it for you and what yeah. recharges you. So no,
1: that's great. So the other thing is in my membership, we do a book club and we focus on books of self-growth and self-development. What book had, would you say, and it might be hard to choose one, what book would you say has had a great, like a powerful impact on your life and continues to influence how you live life?
0: Yeah, there are, there are so many. Yeah, books it's are, hard. And everyone <laughs> struggles yes. with this question. <laughs> Um, maybe because I am reading it or rereading it right now, but the first book that comes to mind is Women Who Run With the Wolves. Um, have you, have you done that one? No. Um, Um, it's by uh, Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Um, she tells a lot of, um, and retells a lot of fables. She's a storyteller, but she covers so much about what it means to be a woman a mother um in this world and this culture and it's just very it always reorients me to like the things that are really important to me like I'm re- rereading the um, chapters on creativity right now and a lot of it too it's is about supporting each other you know uh
1: collaboration and come
0: yeah. on or like women like uh wolves run in packs and okay support each other with different energy and um just the, the way you know things ebb and flow in our own lives with our own thoughts and feelings and right now i said creative you know sometimes your creative juices the river's running you know wide and clean and sometimes it, it's not so easy so that book has been very um very powerful for me at some of like the lowest times in my life I love I love that book except for everyone but I, I really like it a lot
1: yeah I have to add it to the list
0: <laughs> yeah I'd love so- to, to, to see the other books on the list I can't wait <laughs> so
1: where can people find you
0: Um, moms who are interested in my work, moms raising girls or moms who, um, are also raising boys who have, um, disordered histories with food would love to probably see what I have on nourisher.com, which is nourish her. So there are two H's.com. There's a lot of free resources there. Um, and you can also just Google me, Amelia Sherry, ameliasherry.com. That's my private practice. If you're, um, if you have questions, anyone can reach out. There's a, a way to book a free call there. Yeah, I'm, I'm out there.
1: Awesome. So I will put all of that information in the show notes. If you're interested in checking out Amelia, her um, contact information will be in the show notes. So I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today, Amelia. And it's been such a pleasure.
0: Thank you for having me, Oni. And I uh, I love your community. Thanks for having it there for us moms. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> thank you. Hey, did you know that there's a Facebook group filled with moms without capes? Women who are learning that it's safe to take off the superwoman cape and take care of themselves? There sure is, and we'd love to have you in the group. Moms Without Capes is a free community for moms who feel overwhelmed, stressed out, and exhausted from trying to do it all. Come discover who you are under that cape and give yourself permission to show yourself some love. Search Moms Without Capes when you're in Facebook or follow the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. See you there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Moms Without Caves podcast. I'm always up to hearing your ideas for future episodes, so send me a DM and let me know. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would be awesome if you'd leave me a positive review wherever you're listening to podcasts these days. Until next time, take care of you. You are worth it.